everyone was a child. Look at how we're treating the children. Where is that divine feminine in the home that says, I will protect this life. I will provide the best nourishment. I will nourish that brain with love. I will nourish that brain with knowledge. I will nourish that brain with security. Welcome to the Plant-Based DFW Podcast Weekly Show with Dr. Riz and Maya. A show broadcasted from the Dallas-Fort Worth area that focuses on lifestyle medicine. This is the use of evidence-based lifestyle therapeutic approaches, such as a whole food plant-based diet, regular physical exercise, adequate sleep, and stress management to treat, prevent, and oftentimes reverse lifestyle-related chronic diseases that are all too prevalent. Every week, they feature a guest who speaks on one of these lifestyle medicine pillars. This show is for you, the person who is seeking to improve your overall wellness and quality of life. So whether you are driving, walking, or relaxing at home, we hope this show will provide you one more tool for your wellness toolbox. Let's meet today's podcast guest. And today I have another member of the Plant Pure Communities PAC, which is a pot advisory committee. So I have Jackie Solomon, and she is the co-founder of Seeds to Inspire Foundation. Welcome, Jackie. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here with you. Well, I'm excited to catch up with you again. We had previously talked about how you live in Phoenix. Your foundation is in an area where I sort of grew up. So I was excited about the work that you're doing. Let's start off by just basically talking about the uh, subcommittee that you're part of for PAC, and then we can kind of move on to hear about your story. Yeah. So I am so incredibly honored to be on the pack. I mean, it's an amazing organization. It's amazing to watch its growth. It's amazing to be, to be part of its mission and really to be able to work with individuals that are intently working on spreading the awareness of plant-based nutrition and the health components of it and the dire health components, especially our at-risk communities, which is why I serve on the expansion and, and growth subcommittee with two amazing individuals, two amazing beings that really were focused on supporting plant pure communities reach its mission of being global and grassroots. And so we're working on kind of bringing not only that awareness of what global means and what grassroots means in different parts of the world and even within different communities that we serve, but also how within an organization, how we have to embody that. And the, the global majority is non-white. And so how do we as organizations that start out in, Amer in the United States that have that lens and understand that the standard American diet is our diet that is now spread across the planet. Like now, how do we bring that consciousness and awareness and go out and kind of almost decolonize what has happened from that mindset? How do we go as an organization, grow within, raise our racial awareness, bring diversity within us so that we can now truly be that hand that holds on and says, we have to do this together, not top down, handing down, but side to side. And so that's what we're working on. It's such a beautiful project. And I'm so grateful to be a part of it. I'm looking forward to seeing what all that entails, like exactly what you guys are working on to spread this message globally. And I know that's something that all of us in PAC are working on different projects, hopefully to be completed within the year or something like that, so that anyone else who comes on board can then pick up from there and continue to expand. So it is awesome to be part of this committee. So Jackie, can we share with our listeners what life was like for you? Like, how did you even learn about the plant-based diet? 
Unfortunately, it's like so many individuals that kind of grew up the way I grew up in, in marginalized at-risk communities where there's no really nutrition literacy. There's no, at least in my home, there was no real connection to food. And so there was no understanding what food was. And, you know, I grew up with parents that worked two or three jobs. The kids, we were home alone a lot. So my parents did the best that they could and they provided what was considered food. And a lot of it was processed so we kids could just take care of ourselves and do what we had to do. And that became kind of like concretized as to like my idea what food was. And when I became a mom, it's when I started really understanding like what that word term was like cooking from scratch, like that, that term always kind of like stuck out to me. Like, what does that mean cooking from scratch? And I started realizing that cooking from scratch meant cooking. But where I grew up there, I was like, oh, they're cooking with like, you know, from ingredients, like that's cooking from scratch. And it was like, and it started like this thing in my mind, like, I don't even know how that makes it, how they're different levels of cooking. And I started diving into that and started wanting to actually cook for my children. And that's where the journey of understanding that I actually didn't know how to cook. And I know I have to start learning how to cook so that I could provide for my children. And it's the greatest joy of my life is to be a mom. You know, I was born to be a mom. It's the thing that I love most in the world is the opportunity to be a mom. And so I take my job really seriously. and I wanted to learn as much as I could. And then we started getting very sick. There was a lot of stress. There was a lot of heartbreak. There was a lot of trauma and drama within the family, outside of the family. And we just all got really sick. We got very obese. At one point, I had reached 323 pounds and I'm only 5'7". It was heartbreaking because it was a point, two different times, that my body just could not take the pressure of the stress and the weight and just the pressure of life. And twice, I was on death's door. When it was 2016, and these diagnoses were not only mine, but now my children we're starting to get these diagnoses also of prediabetes, of hypertension, of high cholesterol. And they were teenagers. They were babies. That's, I think, when that mom and me came back out and was like, okay, when it was me, I didn't learn a lot of self-care and self-love where I grew up and how I grew up. So it was very easy for me to put myself to the side and just keep going for my kids. But when those same things came after my kids, that's when everything changed for me. And I was like, no, there has to be something better. And that's where my idea of cooking and my social justice work and my fierceness for wanting to protect the well-being and life of my children all came together. And I discovered Forks Over Knives, the documentary. There's no words to describe the rage and the gratitude that I felt at the end of that documentary. I must have seen it 20 times. I mean, I transitioned, like that was it. I transitioned. I registered in the E. Cornell T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies course on plant-based nutrition. Immediately through there, I started learning that the social justice fights that I was fighting on this front because my children learned differently and they were pushed out of school for being uniquely abled to the homeless and trying to support them. It was just like, this course really helped me see that, wow, this is systemic. This is not just a me problem. This wasn't all me. It wasn't all that I failed or I did something bad or I was wrong and I almost killed my children. It was like I was doing the best I could with what I had and I didn't know that I could do better. I didn't know because it was hidden from me. And that's where the fierceness came in. I just kept learning and learning and learning. And I would say within 18 months, the four of us, my ex-husband at the time and my twins, we lost 300 pounds and doing nothing more than transitioning to whole food plant-based no oil. 
That's what we did. I did not exercise, even though that's such an incredible component to health and wellness. But I just want to stress that it wasn't hours in the gym. It wasn't getting up and torturing myself. It was literally inviting foods of life foods that served my body, foods that came that changed the chemistry that my cells were swimming in, that my body naturally was just so grateful, was returning to health because I stopped putting things in it that were actually making me sick. It was actually impeding my health. It wasn't so much that it was really making me sick. It was that the stuff that I was putting in my mouth that I was ingesting was actually interfering with my body's natural process to thrive. And then I realized I was doing it to my children that the same things that I was putting in my body that almost took my life was almost orphaning me, was orphaning my children. Gosh. I was going to orphan my children by my choices. And I was loving my children to death every time I gave them hot dogs and burgers and French fries and steak and all that. Lovingly, I was actually slowly killing my children. We were all on a slow suicide and I had watched it and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what was happening. So now I've lost 164 pounds. And I'm literally half of the way that I was. I'm half of the physical composition that I was when I started this journey. And along with that half was a lot of stress and pain and heartbreak and drama. Because as I started feeling better and I started healing, I was able to sit with the other stresses in my life more holy and more present. I wasn't so reactive. I wasn't feeling so sick. I wasn't in pain. I was sleeping better. I wasn't constantly constipated. I didn't constantly have heartburn. You know, like when you don't have those things in your life, you don't realize how much energy and bandwidth it takes to live like that. So when I didn't have all those things and I was feeling better and I was sleeping and I was like, you know what? That doesn't bother me as much. I could spend a little more time thinking this through. You know, this doesn't break me as easily and I could celebrate my resilience And then how do you not want to go out into the world and say, like, how do I help people learn this? How do I help people understand that you have the power to do exactly what I did? And that's how Cease to Inspire was born. It was our dream of how do we take this knowledge and bring it and this awareness to our at-risk communities that need it the most and have the least access, that live in food deserts, that suffer and struggle under health inequity, that just are constantly just on pills and procedures and don't have access to food, don't know how important sleep is, don't know how important movement is, and we're just all reacting. And that's what Seeds does. And we've really cultivated amazing collaborations and partnerships. And we're bringing programs to our most at-risk communities. And it's my greatest joy and honor to be able to do that, to bring that gift to the community that I was able to receive. I can truly hear the passion in your voice when it comes to this. And it's sort of a combination of what you've already touched on, which is some frustration, some anger. And yet you're motivated and inspired to share this knowledge with the community, the same community that you probably sort of either grew up in or were very involved with. There were a couple of things that you touched on that really stand out. The way that you were eating really was impacting your ability to thrive. While some communities probably grow up with this understanding that food affects our energy, it affects our perspective, it affects our health. Some communities may have that awareness. Other communities, like perhaps ours, didn't. I grew up in that South Phoenix area in Arizona where I remember the limitations that we had when it came to nutrition. And then I became a teacher, and not in Phoenix, but I began to see that the children that I work with, at-risk children, 
also had limitations when it came to nutrition. I remember how tormented I would feel watching. I had cafeteria duty and I'm watching the children eat this food and I couldn't believe how awful the food looked, heavily processed. Actually, going back to another point that you made was the difference in your understanding of what cooking meant. For a lot of us, cooking is putting the food in the microwave, you know, defrosting the food, heating it up as opposed to making it from scratch. And you said all of this is systemic. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. so... And you know, I think we have to very lovingly and very courageously start having these conversations about the systemic inequities and the systems that are in place that prohibit our communities, our at-risk communities, depending on our zip code, what access we have to equity, to dignity, to connection. It depends on what zip code we're in. And we can go to any city and travel 10 minutes from one zip code to the next. And there'll be an abundance over here. And there'll be such lack over here. And why is that? Is it really because our communities where we come from that look like us? Is it really because we just don't know better? Is it really because we have all of these resources and we just don't work hard enough? Is it really that we just just not smart enough? It just is. That's our destiny. You know what destiny in my mind is? And this is where my spiritual life coaching comes in, because I also didn't mention earlier that part of that is prevalent in our communities is the violence and how we store that violence in our bodies. It is a consumption of violence every day. We see violence in our homes. We see violence when we open our apartment doors. We see violence when we go on the street. We see violence on the TV and we see violence on our plates. And it's so normalized that our bodies that carry that karma are constantly just intense anxiety, depression, reactivity. It's the violence that we're storing that we're unconscious of. Why is it okay for people that are always suffering, that want to do better, to always be in this bubble of violence so that we become desensitized to it? We don't see it. How is it that people that are indigenous, Black racialized people that are so close to our roots, that we're so close to the earth, that we have not been so dissociated from our connection to spirit, our connection to nature. We remember that we're nature in ourselves. It's not been that long. A few hundred years can't take our connection to Gaia, cannot take our connection to one another, cannot take the divine feminine and just completely oppress her. We're so close to our roots. We're such loving, loving people. What does it take to take that spirit and take us and completely change us into just violence and just in this mindset of not enough. It's my fault. Shame. That's systems. Those are systems. You know, we all have to hold ourselves accountable for the things that we do, but we also have to understand that we're born into a system that decided for us that we weren't enough that decided for us, depending on the color of our skin and the economic background that we come from, what we have access to and what we don't. And it is unfair that these systems affected me in a way that my 11-year-old passed away, that my 11-year-old was given a pharmaceutical, that he developed a severe allergic reaction that took his life. That's a systemic thing. I didn't know any better. I didn't know that there was something else. I didn't know that the depression and the anxiety was not only from our environment, but something ancestral, something systemic. I didn't know any better. 
We have to be talking about these things. We have to understand that we all have to hold ourselves accountable for what we do and heal our wounds, but understand that we are interacting with systems that keep us unaware of our power, of our resilience, of our beauty, of our creativity. That's what we have to do. We have to understand how we are affected, what we're born into, so that we can heal and engage it, right? And celebrate our resilience and remember who we are as human beings, because we have forgotten. We have forgotten that we're human. And I know that offends so many people, but we have forgot what human is, what being human is. And we are part of the whole. We are part of nature. We are animals. We're light and we're air and we're water and we're stardust. And we're one family. And we have forgotten that. And it's the systems that are placed and it's a fear. You know, my, I could afford to buy my health. I could afford to buy my peace of mind because I could afford the workshops and I could afford the books and I could afford the courses and I could afford the food. How fair is that to our at-risk communities? They deserve exactly what I could do. And that's why it's important that we channel whoever can see, whoever has privilege, whoever has blessings, that understands that there's systems in place that are prohibiting, putting barriers in place for our at-risk communities to thrive. So we come together and we do that, understand that everybody heals themselves. Everybody knows that I have a place on this earth and I'm valuable and I'm worth it. And I have something to give and I am a blessing because I am born and God doesn't make mistakes and the earth doesn't make mistakes. I'm here intentionally and I've forgotten. How do I address those systems that are prohibiting me from being my best? And that's where community comes together and we help each other. You became aware of all this information and then you affected your family and you improved the health of your family overall. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're now doing is that you're dedicated to trying to break the systemic kind of oppression that seems to be happening with some communities. As immigrants, I remember initially our parents would cook and then over time, as they learned what the culture was like here, they began to buy the frozen foods. And before you know it, our parents were working double shifts or working extra hours. And they would say, well, just defrost the foods from the freezer. And I remember there was this sense of sadness of separation that we were no longer spending time in the kitchen because now it was about just being busy all the time and just getting by. When you talk about trauma and communities that suffer trauma, you're like in a survival mode. And then, of course, that trauma that we keep in our body then creates this desire for the fast foods, for the things that are kind of self-destructive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, we talk gender roles, and that's such a sensitive topic. And I want to be mindful that when I speak about like the woman, I'm speaking about the feminine principle. And the feminine principle of nurturing, of nourishment, of protection. Listen, there's a documentary called Akashinga that I recommend to everyone. And there's a quote in it says that the greatest force in nature is a woman's drive to protect. I mean, think about that, like the woman's drive to protect life, to protect. There's nothing in nature like that. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about gender rules in society, not even culture. I'm talking about recognizing yourself as a feminine, a divine feminine, and however you identify with that principle in you. And when that gets impacted, when that gets oppressed, what does it look like? It looks like, you know what? My children are being raised on a 
fast food. My children are being raised in front of the TV. Those video games are raising my children and the frozen foods are raising my children. Actually, who's raising the children? And culture and society teaches us that that's raising your children. You put them in all different programs and you just wear them out. And God forbid you let children just play because if children get bored, they get in trouble. So there's no play. There's no exploration. There's no self-guided driven. And then we pour junk and junk, high salt food, high sugar food, no nutrition in it, in developing brains. And then we force them into all of these programs and to sit in, in compulsory education all day. So they're just sitting like this all day. Then they can't actualize their brilliance and they get in trouble if they want to ask questions and they want to be curious and they want to push back. This is what we're doing to our children. Guess what? Everyone was a child. And if we all started out that way, then you wonder, you look around and you wonder why we have the world that we have today. Look at how we're treating the children. Where's that divine feminine in the home that says, I will protect this life that came through me at all costs. I will provide the best nourishment. I will nourish that brain with love. I will nourish that brain with knowledge. I will nourish that brain with security. I will make sure that that brain gets the best that God and earth has to offer this brain so that the spring can actualize and become who they were born to be. We do everything opposite of that. And then we moms, we blame ourselves. When our kids get sick, we blame ourselves. When our kids get in trouble in school, we blame ourselves. When our kids are not doing okay, we blame ourselves. It's all about depressing us. It's not about the convenience of us. It was about using us. It was about channeling us to make money for someone else because it's not our nature. We are animals. We are nature. What other mother in nature does what we do to our children and then beat themselves up for having no other choice but to do what we have to do because that's what the system say that that's the right thing to do for our children. It's painful and we carry that. And when you have hurting feminine, well, we can't even go to each other because we don't even trust each other. When we can't even sit with each other because I don't know if I can open up, I don't know you're suffering so bad, you can't even take my suffering. So I don't have anybody to talk to because you're suffering and I'm suffering. So I'm going to pour my suffering into you. You're going to pour yourself. We're all going to be suffering. So then we wind up alone because we don't want a burden. And that's the divine feminine. That's the feminine principle. Just gets oppressed and oppressed and oppressed. Our food has a lot to do with that. And when you say we are nature, I think of how we're eating from nature. Nature nurtures us. These healthy, clean foods Going back to kind of the plant pure communities, because I know that you started your organization first and then you found out about plant pure communities, you became part of them. I wonder if we can talk about that and then how you actually, in general, kind of created that foundation. Oh, thank you for that question. That, I love talking about that because I'm such like, uh, my family jokes that I have like academic ADHD, like anything that fascinates me, I'm just like, oh, I got to learn more. So I like dive in and I just learn and learn and learn. And so when I discovered the power of plants for our health and not only our health, but how we treat our sentient brothers and sisters, how we treat the plants that are our cousins and the fungi that are our cousins and the water and the air, like how our actions, the, just the way we eat, how we're affecting the climate, how we're affecting non-human animals and all life. And I started learning and growing and learning and growing. And then I discovered Plant Pure Nation. And the activism in Plant Pure Nation was like, 
wow, this is not just something that we can do for ourselves, but there's a way that we can come together as community, collaborate and really help one another. And I had discovered a Plan Pure Nation after I started my nonprofit, because originally when I launched our nonprofit, it was about we wanted to create a learning environment for children that learn differently so that they can be surrounded all day in activities and structures that were conducive for just all learning types. And my children, after four years of struggling and battling the public school system, we were able to get them in a learning environment where it was truly conducive for them, their unique way of learning, and they thrive. But again, it was a private education. And it was like, again, we could afford it. This has to be afforded. How do we do this and bring it to the communities where I grew up? What would that have been like for me or my brothers or my cousins if they could have attended a school like this? And so that's how it started. And then it quickly changed because I started learning and learning to say, okay, this is more than just the school system. This is bigger. Like we have to learn more and more. And that's why I continue to learn and learn and learn. And then when it was time to kind of launch the pod, which was, I just joined at the end of the year because I really wanted to the action component to be something that was community-based. And it took me a while through COVID to really cultivate what that looked like. And I started remembering when I was afraid and I was starting and saying, I don't know where to start, but I know I want to do something. I don't know what to do. I'm just one person. What can I do? I started just going out to veg festivals and going to like potlucks and meetups and just meeting people and having great conversations about like my dreams and my wants and how this experience and transition has affected me and my family. And it just started conversations about like, oh, you should probably talk to this person. Oh, you know what? I know somebody that's working on that. And that's where it started, the networking and the community building. And that's what gave me that permission to actually be able to say, I can do this. I'm not just this little peon that just experienced this great thing. And let me just tell a few of my neighbors. No, it was like, Jackie, you have a moral obligation to go back to your community and show them that this can be done. This is not your story. And if you hold it to yourself, it's selfish. This is not your story. This is for the world and it's coming through you. So I had to say, this is not about you, Jack. This is not about you. How can we do this bigger and better? How can we reach more people? And so I had to push through my own quote unquote inabilities, my quote unquote fears, because I realized that that was the resistance. It wasn't that I didn't know what to do. It wasn't that I didn't know how to do. I was afraid. I was afraid of my power. I was afraid of what I was capable of. I was afraid to talk. I was afraid I wasn't enough, that I wasn't smart enough. Who would want to listen to me? Why would they want to take my advice? What if they push back? What did they mean to me? Like it was all these things. Our message is unique and it was fringe not so long ago. You know, so taking that experience and turning it into activism is not easy for a lot of us, especially those of us that are melanated. And some of us that are code more colonizer have more of a privilege to do this work, have more of a connection to this work, have more access to communities that can support. So we have a more obligation to take whatever privilege we have and work on whatever is stopping us because this work is too important and we're all needed. There's too much suffering. There's too much death. There's too much disease. We all have to do something and we are all capable of doing something. And again, I want to encourage everyone to remind that you are not a mistake. 
you're intentional and you have gifts and blessings that just are uniquely yours. And if you find yourself in a position where you have healed, how can you marry your greatest passion and your greatest gifts and just fuse that with your experience and create a message for the world so that they can see it's so important that we all come together and bring this awareness and support one another in making this transition. It is not easy, especially when you're talking with marginalized communities. This is not easy. This is something that is generational. We've been severed from our own ancestry. We have been severed from our own story and we've been forced a story on us. And now that same story is being told and now we're wrong for that too. So now we're wrong that we're doing this and we're wrong for we're doing this and we should do something better. We should change. We're tired of being told that we're wrong. We're tired of being told we're bad and we're tired of being told that we're doing something wrong. That's not the message. The message is love, healing, beauty, connection, and restoring the earth. And if we can take our message and our gifts and our blessings and we can give that story out to the world, that's your activism. That's how we connect. That's how we help people remember. I really appreciate what you just said, because there is that kind of intimidation and fear that can come along when you're trying to kind of rise up and be a leader. These ideas that come to mind that I'm not good enough, I don't know enough. Like I myself went through that and I often hear myself saying, but I'm not a dietitian, I'm not a health coach. And it's like, well, what kind of qualifications do I need in order to share that, hey, plant-based nutrition changed my life. I feel better right now at my age than I did 15, 20 years ago. People that I meet that made this transition have also seen significant improvements. So what else do I need? And I also like how you build your team to support you because that's so important to have people that buy into your vision and who are just as passionate, who can then help you with outreach and all the other work that, you know, running a pod can entail. So you did say that you started at the end of the year. And I know we had a lot of limitations with the pandemic, but you've kind of gone back and taken the opportunity to kind of restructure your pod. You created a foundation. I think you kind of already touched on that, but if you want to kind of share more details about it. Oh, yes. Thank you. We're so excited. So we really dedicated the pod to the spirit of social justice to really understand the the multidimensionality and the intersectionality of our food choices and the impact of our food choices. And I think it's so critical for our communities to truly understand how our food choices are impacting the systems that are keeping us suffering and oppressed. I think it's vitally important that we understand the power that we have, not just for our own health, but to truly understand that when we choose something different at the end of our fork, we are addressing that oppression and that violence on the streets. Those knees on our necks are part of a system that is fed and kept alive by our food choices. The rampant asthma, the rampant gastric reflux, constipation, heart disease, diabetes, all of that And then how are we treated when we go to the doctor? Are we treated fairly? Are we treated equally? Are we respected when we go into the doctor's office visit? Are we rushed out? Are we told that it's just this and just that and we just do this? But is anybody talking about that? Your food is killing you. And you know what? We just suffer some more. We ask for some more pills. We don't have food right at the corner. We can go and make a choice. All of that happens when we change the way we eat. So it's really important that we understand and we help people understand and just facts. 
These are not opinions. I'm not an opinion person. I'm like, listen, what don't you know? Because I didn't know me some stuff. And when I learned some stuff, I changed. I made choices. This is about empowering you with knowledge that you don't have access to so that you can make an informed choice. So you can make a calculated choice for what's best for you. Because I truly have faith in humanity that everybody wants to do their best. And if you give people access and resources, everybody wants to be their best. So that's what the pot is about, is about saying there's some stuff you need to unlearn. There's some stuff that's been put in here that is not serving you. So how do we help you kind of excavate and clean that out and kind of purge and do some spring cleaning and say, you know what? I don't know why I'm carrying this five years old. I don't even wear it anymore. Let's get rid of all those thoughts and ideas and purge them. And then let's learn some stuff that is knowledge-based, that is factual, so that you can now incorporate that into all of your learning and then see the kind of person you are. Let's see how you rise up. Let's see how your resilience I know it because I lived it. I'm 49 years old and I'm living my best life. I'm 49 years old and I'm the healthiest and fittest I've ever been. I'm the most joyful I've ever been. And I have suffered greatly. You know, like so many of our black and brown women, I've suffered greatly. And I'm truly joyful and happy. And I want all of my sisters to feel that. I want all of my sisters to have everything that they need so they can stand up and they can feel strong and they can feel that power that we have that's been trying to be culture within us. We got this. And that's what the pot is about, is about really going back to community and finding that divine feminine spirit and raising that indigeneity back and bring that connection back and helping people understand and look at it one each other and that duality that we get lost in in this plane. We live in polarity, but duality is ours. We created that. And if we could start learning ourselves something different and reconnect within communities and understand what's happening around us, there's nothing we can't do. So that's what the pot is focused on. There are a couple of other topics you touched on lately that I myself on the podcast want to really bring some awareness to, like just continue to talk about these topics. And one of them is racial disparities in healthcare and helping people that are at disadvantage to kind of really be an advocate for their own health. So providing the tools and understanding that there are all these limitations in certain communities in terms of access to good health care. We're here in this country with such advanced technology and wonderful resources. And you see these medical centers here and there that have the latest of the latest and the greatest equipment. And yet there are so many people that don't have access to those facilities so that's one, the racial disparities in healthcare and also the food deserts that you also touched on play a big role in terms of how we nurture ourselves. If we can't get to a place that provides fresh whole foods, mainly produce, then how in the world are we supposed to take care of ourselves? As you're talking and with that beautiful energy that you have, it's like you're like mother feeding their children and nurturing the community. Thank you. Thank you (laughs) for that. And if I could share the program that we have, because it touches just on that. In 2016, the drama and the dysfunction in the family that I grew up in hit ahead. And my mom decided that she no longer wanted to recognize me as a daughter. And that's part of what I was talking about, kind of like the the suffering that happens within the homes and how that plays out. And I bring that up because being motherless now and being a mother who has watched one of her children transition to formlessness and having my children, I had to look at mothering from completely different perspectives. 
And Seeds to Inspire really became that ability for me to say, how do I mother all the world's children? How do I mother the community's children? And I truly see every human being as their child, as their healthiest, best self that hasn't quite had a chance to evolve into the greatness that they were born to be. We spend the majority of our adult lives recovering from childhood. So many of us spend so much of our adult lives basically healing from childhood. Come on, people. Why don't we just start looking at the children and say, well, how do we protect them? No, we start our cut. We're so lost in our own pain from childhood that we're not even realizing that we're pouring that right back into our children. So seeds was a way to help heal that and reestablish that and bring that mothering component, that indigeneity and say, flow through me. You know, I know the heartbreak of not having a mom now. I know the heartbreak of losing a child. I know the heartbreak of having children that were, they're violated because they learned differently and they were not accepted. Like that mothering is so important to me. And that to me, that's what seeds is, is the way of like creating, reestablishing that village for the children. And so we are developing right now a community-engaged lifestyle medicine program inspired by my work with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. I'm on the Health Equity Achieved Through Lifestyle Medicine Initiative, and they talk all about community-engaged lifestyle medicine. So we're developing a program here to work in one of our most at-risk communities. And we're going to be like mind, body, spirit, health. We're going to be bringing through our first jumpstart through Pamphier Communities. We're so proud is we're bringing our first jumpstart. Hopefully, we're trying our best to do it completely for free for our communities or minimal, minimal cost, and it's going to be medically supervised. So they will get testing before and after. They will be on this plant-based diet, and they'll be able to see for themselves the power, for themselves a lived experience. And what we're hoping to do is then go to an elementary school in this community where the majority of these people actually attended and went to school and work with the community to then in the fall to a community RX to invite as many people in the community to see what can happen from individuals in the community that lived it, experienced it, and are going out and sharing the power of plants and the power of that resilience and start building that community through the Community Engaged Lifestyle Medicine Program and just bring all the resources for the parents, help heal their parents, give the, the nourishment in the mind as well as in the bellies of our children and just really bring that back to this community and then start there and then go to the next one until seeds is not needed anymore. And then everybody's doing great. And then I can just retire. And I'm just like, you know what? Seeds is not needed anymore. That'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, and then God. one more thing. I'm so sorry. We are so blessed to be in collaboration with the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, who has collaborated with the Navajo Nation and created a native food for life online program that is completely developed and created with the Navajo with the Native Americans to address the diabetes epidemic on the reservations. And Seeds to Inspire gets to be a co-facilitator of that and help support and sponsor that program. So when we say community, I'm here in Phoenix now, all of us, we're all one community and we're trying our best to bring as many blessings and support in to help our community as possible. So we're really, really, really honored and so grateful to be able to do that. Jackie, I am so impressed. I have chills as I'm listening to you talk, and I'm so excited for you and the work that you're doing. And you just mentioned three wonderful organizations. So, I mean, you're part of Plant Peer Communities, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, and the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. 
I mean, they are all the organizations that I truly believe in. I am so excited. Now, if people want to support your foundation or learn more about the work that you're doing, what are the best websites and social media accounts to follow? Oh, thank you. So we are on Facebook at Cease to Inspire, or you could look me up at Jackie Solomon because I usually post the same for both in case you want to find me. I'm on LinkedIn myself and Seeds to Inspire Foundation also. We have Instagram, Seeds to Inspire. We have our YouTube channel. That's, we have to update, but we have like our YouTube channel also. So it's a Seeds to Inspire wherever you go on those social media. And our website is www.seedstoinspire.org. And everyone has any questions, you could just write us at contact at seedstoinspire.org. You could always DM me. And again, we're doing lots of fundraising now. We're about to launch a huge fundraiser to really start supporting our community, our X program in the fall. And again, what's kind of unique about us is that we want to address barriers to why people can't adopt this lifestyle. Again, we truly have faith that people want to live their best and why can't they? So we want to do a fundraiser that's like, listen, there's communities that don't have a potato peeler. They don't have a blender. They don't have nonstick pots and pans. Let's come together as a community. Let's give these individuals the best chance that they have at making this transition, not only transitioning, but maintaining it. It's our job to help one another do this. So we're launching items, wares. We have a program called Friends of Seeds. So if you have services that you want to donate, reach out and we're creating a whole database of Friends of Seeds. If you have anything, just please Please, we want to collaborate because we really believe that this is all about collaboration, about networking, about community, building community. And thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jackie. Is there anything else that I might have forgotten to ask or anything else that you'd like our listeners to learn about your organization or about yourself? I just want to say that transitioning to a whole food plant-based, no oil lifestyle saved my life and it saved the lives of my family. And I truly believe, you know, my ex-husband has told me that if he didn't transition, he didn't think that he would have made it through COVID with the diabetes, how bad it was. My sister has MS and I don't know if she would have made it, if she would have gotten COVID. COVID. Mm -hmm. And I just want so many of us that have lost our families, that have lost our friends to come together and understand that we can stop this. There's another way and we can do it through making healthier choices for ourselves and we can do it by loving ourselves and being connected with one another. Thank you for the wonderful message. Thank you for all the work that you're doing, especially for the Indigenous community. Thank you so much for your time, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such an honor. Love you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Plant-Based DFW podcast show. If you like our content, please like, share, and leave a review. Our goal is to provide quality episodes to help support the community.